Okay, so it is high time that Bennett got a story. Who agrees? Bennett needs a story. How many of you know that Archer has gotten too many stories and he doesn't get any more? He's just, he's done. Archer, he got 13 goals on Saturday. He's going to move up a grade. We're going to push him up. He's now thinking he's amazing and we're going to put him up with the six-year-olds and he's going to find, he's going to find humility there. But, uh, so, so, so Bennett, Bennett is also my guy. I always talk about how Archer's my guy. Like, I've, I've re-listened to some of those sermons. I'm like, man, poor Bennett. Bennett is my guy, too. He's just as much my guy as Archer, okay? Y'all need to know that the love is equal. But Bennett, um, one of the things that we're teaching Bennett, because how, how many of you are middle children? Just, just my middle child, my middle children, just Hadley and Carrie and Pip, proudly a middle child. How many of you are the oldest? I'm, I'm the oldest, yes. Uh, I think we're the majority, guys. Let's... How, what about the babies of the family? Yep. Okay, good. T- Tim's very proudly up the front. So, so the middle child, I, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not going to make this about all middle children. I'll just make it about Bennett. Our middle child, he has this thing where we're, we're teaching him to be, to be strong and to stand up for himself, but his older brother is, of course, older and bigger and stronger. And so Bennett has one of two reactions to situations with his brother. One is to give up pretty quickly and cry. And the next is to go Hulk mode and just roundhouse swing. And he'll, he'll get a couple of good clocks every now and then. Just, so he does pretty good. But he's got one of two modes that he does. He either cries and gives up or he goes Hulk mode. Neither of which are probably the best options to engage in relational conflict. But one of the, the games that the boys, my boys love to play right now, his, have you read the book or seen the movie that they just made recently? It's a children's book called Ferdinand, Ferdinand the Bull. And it's, it's, it's just such a good story. So we've read Ferdinand, but the boys don't take the fact that Ferdinand was peaceful. They take the fact that there's bulls that fight, and they just want to play bullfighting. And so they call it, Dad, can we play bulls? And probably every day we're playing bulls, like literally every day, every, every evening. It's like, please, Dad, just one round of bulls. And what this game consists of is me holding one of their blankets, and I'm the matador, and I have to try and avoid these children running at me on their hands and knees, sometimes on their hands, and they try and knock me over. And the rule is if they hit me hard, I kind of like have to fall over. And I try and fall over on top of them, and it's just a great time, right? Um, but what happens when we're playing bulls is that Archer's seen the movie, and he knows how bulls behave, and he sees that the bulls beat up on the other bulls too. So Archer takes it as an opportunity to knock his brother like flying. And this often ends in crying. This often ends in Bennett being very upset. And so I just... One of the things that we're trying to teach Bennett is that he is strong too. But, but like I said, sometimes he gives up because, I mean, it's hard. When you know someone is bigger than you, you know when somebody's stronger than you, it's, it's like there's not a lot of options. But this is the moment when dad enters the picture. Because sometimes I stop being the matador, which is my role in the game usually, and I become one of the bulls. And as soon as I see the advantage is just too much in favor of Archer, and he's just smashing on him. And, like, Archer just doesn't have the balance of, like, when he knocked his brother down. Like, Bennett's, like, down and starting to whimper. And Archer's, like, going for the kill, you know? Like, that's where he goes, he goes more intense. And his head lowers. And he's, like, hitting him in the stomach. And he's just, like, jumping up and down. And Bennett's, like, starting to cry. I'm like, Archer, there's subtlety here, buddy. This is, this is no longer fun. But that's the moment when Dad gets in the picture. And I get down on my hands and knees. And I can tell you, there's something that happens when I join the game to Bennett. Bennett 
is on the ground trying to nurse his wounds. And as soon as he sees that dad has now joined the game, there's just the beginning of a little smile that starts to curl on his lips. And he says, and and Archer may not have seen me yet, but as soon as Archer sees me, Archer's expression changes, his countenance changes, and he knows this is not going to be in my favor for very much longer. And then I make sure that we deal enough punishment to Archer so that Bennett feels really, really good. When dad enters the picture, like Archer's now the one on the ground and me and Bennett, and I say, come on, Bennett, another swing. It turns less from bowls and more to just like fighting, you know, like full on fighting. But how many of you know There is a moment when we shift from helplessness to authority. There is a moment when we we already understand that we have the resources and the ability to do whatever is in front of us. Bennett just needed a little bit more awareness of his own abilities. Because the interesting thing is when I jump in the game, Bennett's got new life and Honestly, he gets some good hits on his brother. It's not always his brother that gets the one-up. As long as Bennett's functioning at full capacity, I've seen him, A, I've seen him give him a really roundhouse punch to the face that, like, Archer even was like, that was good. You know, like, he's just, he had to shake his head. And he's hit him a couple of times from the side where Archer is legitimately, boom. And there's, like, a hard hit. And we're like, yes, we cheer for Bennett when that happens. But you notice, Dad wasn't the one doing that. Bennett just needed a little bit more awareness of the resources that were backing him. The resources that were available to him. He needed to know that dad was there. That the father's strength, that the father's resources were his. Once someone has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, the enemy's greatest strategy is to see if he can make Christians believe that they are helpless and that they do not have access to the resources of heaven. One of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to make you think, make you believe that you do not have access to the resources of heaven. I love our our verse, the, the overarching verse that is for today has already come up, not the specific one, but it's in 1 John, and it's the idea of being children of God. And there were so many songs, and, and we didn't really talk about the theme beforehand, but I love when God weaves the picture of that in there. Our, our, our key scripture for today, and if you get this in your spirits, you, you've got plenty for the next couple months. It's 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For everyone who has been born of God, everyone who is a child of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? We're going to unpack this scripture over this morning, but I want you to get the spirit of the overcomer starting to just dwell in your spirits this morning. Just, just I, I hope that that can sow a seed right now. The first major point that we're going to look at, point number one, and it may be simple, but we need the truth in our lives, is that victory has already been won. Victory has already been won. It is finished. Jesus has already died on the cross, and not only did he die for our sins, but he rose again, and he defeated death. 
I think it's too easy to live like that victory has not already been achieved. And we, when, we, when we live in a place where we're not sure what's going to happen, can I tell you we know what's going to happen. We know that victory has already been won. The thing on my spirit is I think we often, I mean, it's just human nature to think like maybe there's another tomorrow. There's more victory tomorrow. Jesus is not going to be more powerful than he is today. His victory is not going to be any more set tomorrow than it is right now in this moment right here. His victory is complete right now. Now, obviously, there's the fullness of the expression of when he comes back again. And we're going to see no more tears and no more wonderful things as heaven comes. But as we've been preaching about, we're, our job is to bring heaven to earth as co-laborers with Jesus. And this idea of understanding that it is finished, that the veil has already been torn. What does that mean? We have access to the throne room of God. This, this is enormous, not just an intellectual understanding, but in, if you actually begin to walk out and tap the throne room and just peek in a little bit, the understanding of what that is, that the victory is available to us now. The Bible is already written. We have the very word of God. The Holy Spirit has already been sent into this world. And greater things will you do, the Bible tells us. That doesn't mean greater things one day when Jesus is going to be more powerful. That means today because the fullness of his victory is here. The fullness of his Holy Spirit. Do you know there's no junior Holy Spirit for kids? And there's no half Holy Spirit anointing for you and for I? The, the spirit that Benny Hinn carries, regardless if some of his antics may seem really strange, or the, the, the anointing that Bill Johnson carries, or the anointing that whatever heroes you may have in the faith, the anointing that Smith Wigglesworth has, do you know that he has access to the same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to? There is no more fullest. And it's not hard work. It's not, you can't read the Bible 600 times in a year, and then all of a sudden you're going to go, Poof. now I encourage you, get the word in you. But it is the same Holy Spirit that resides in you and me, that resided in these people, that resided in Jesus. Enter these verses. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things. I can do all things through who? Through Christ Jesus. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And let's come back to the verse for today. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Do do you hear the cry of my heart this morning is that we don't just understand that there's victory available for us. We need to get this in our spirits that victory is now upon us. This is not for the superstar Christians. Scripture says, and I love this verse, the verse that we read. Who does, it, does it say like a very few select people that I released in the Bible and they're going to be the ones that do it? It says everyone. Everyone is called to be an overcomer. I look at the word overcome because I think it's just be like, yep, I'm an overcomer. Woo! Overcome means I conquer. I am victorious. I overcome. I prevail. I subdue. These are not just positive thoughts to like a pick-me-up to take us through to the next Sunday. These are core identity statements that you are called to be an overcomer to conquer whatever is in your world right now. 
Whatever situation it is, whatever relational breakdown is there, whatever sin that you're stuck in, whatever freedom that you want to see broken through, whatever, whatever it is that you're looking through, Jesus, the Spirit of God, is already victorious. And he has said that because you are his child... Because you are a son and because you are a daughter of God, that same victory is available to you. Not when you do a certain number of things and you jump through a certain number of hoops. It's available to you now. You are an overcomer. And, this, and there's not a single person in here that hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus that doesn't get to be included in this. It says everyone. It says everyone. He has called us to the reality of being overcomers as he already overcame. He is victorious already as we are sons and daughters. Those of us born again are now victorious as well. I just want to read a precursor story and then I have my bigger story in a second for, from scripture. But this is where the penny drops for the disciples a little bit further down that well of depth and understanding as to the reality of who Jesus really is. It's Matthew 14, where Peter walks on water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And began, beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The disciples in this story are exposed to the reality that Jesus is victorious. Notice the language that I want to use this morning because we, we talk about faith as something that we need to learn or something that we can, and learning denotes, let's get into a textbook and see what we can find out from this text. I want to submit to you that walking in faith is not a textbook journey. Now we have a wonderful living word of God, but it's the, we need to be exposed to the reality of who Jesus is. Jesus is victorious in this world, not just in heaven. How many of you love the song, the wind and waves still know his name? That's not the wind and waves in heaven. That's the wind and waves in our own lives. And I love this. Peter knows that if it is Jesus, he can have the same victory. He says, Lord, if it is you. When Jesus calls us, we can have the same victory too. And then Peter is experiences what we all fall into for many different reasons. When we see the obstacle, when we see the sin, when we see the problem, we become afraid. And this is the, this is the point that I just want us to lean into because Jesus' response becomes critical in us understanding the path to walking in the same victory as Jesus. No, P- 
Peter is someone who was walking in victory. He was walking on water. I've heard some stories even recently of people that have attempted to do this since. They've all been very unsuccessful, at least the stories that I've heard. This is, this is amazing. Physical transcendence over the properties that happen. This, it's a miracle. Peter's already walking in the victory over his current circumstances. What does Jesus say to him of somebody that was walking in victory and that is now not as he's sinking in those waves? And I just want to make one point. Do you know that the power of Christ did not diminish between the point of when he was walking on the waves and then when he started to sink? I think it's so important. I think it's so important to note that the power, the reality, the the personhood of Jesus did not change from this point to when Peter starts sinking. But what does Jesus say? You of little faith. And let's go back to our, our verse in 1 John. What does it say? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. So what, what is directly relinked to victory is our faith. And can I just, just for a moment, we need to address that faith is not mustering up power or willpower to believe something. You just, you'll pop a vein or an artery, you know, possibly a hernia if you just try too hard. Faith, and hear this, this is, faith comes from receiving revelation of who Jesus really is. Hear this. Faith comes from receiving revelation of who Jesus really is. This is not just in our heads, but this is a heart revelation. It's when you know that you know that you know. You can look at, you can look at the, the black words on white paper for as long as you're blue in the face, and it's not by your power that you can receive faith or revelation. How many of you know that when, when Peter declared that Jesus was the Son of God in another story, Jesus replied to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Revelation, faith, comes through being revealed. Literally, the word revelation is to be revealed by the Father. The revelation, and I love this, that all of the disciples, remember, this is for everyone, after they saw the victory that Jesus had over even the physical world was what? What was their revelation that they had? Truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. The question that I have for us this morning, just to ponder, to put deep in our souls and deep in our spirits, is what does the revelation that Jesus is the son of God really mean for you? What does it really mean for me? What does it really mean for your loved ones? Because that's really at the heart of this morning. We can look at victory and we can quote all the passionate scriptures that we like. But if we don't have a revelation that that's part of the character and the nature of who Jesus is, we're going to be quoting empty verses. We're going to be quoting empty scriptures. We need to receive a revelation of who Jesus is. That's what faith is. That's where victory comes from. But I just want to pause because if we read the same scripture of who Jesus says he is, do you know that Jesus had authority over the wind and waves? Jesus had authority over the demonic. Jesus had authority over finances. Jesus had authority 
over this world. Jesus had authority, his same authority that's in heaven. I'm talking about that this is Jesus, the son of God, not just Jesus, the person in pop culture who, we, who we've edified to a level of God. This is God. And when we realize the sense that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was living in Jesus, the same Holy Spirit that went to John the Baptist, the same Holy Spirit that was in Paul the Apostle is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you and I. This is Jesus, the Son of God. You want to know what the spirit of prophecy is? The spirit of prophecy is to know that Jesus is the Son of God. There is a revelation here that we cannot miss because it hinges on our ability to living from victory. Living from victory is a revelation issue. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Point number two. Revelation leads to authority. Revelation leads to authority. I'm going to read out our next passage of Scripture. It's a doozy from 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants saying, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent, sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Then he used, thus he used to warn him so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. In plain English, God is telling Elisha where the king of Syria is going to be. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. So he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning. So when Elisha's servant got up early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. Powerful story. So much we could gain out of that. We're just going to try and get a little bit. You will not have authority over your situation until you have a revelation of who God is in your situation. You will not have authority over your situation until you have said revelation. Not just a, not just a generic revelation. A revelation of who God is in your situation. Elisha had authority over the situation because he had that revelation of who God was. He saw, he physically could see who God was. Do you have a revelation that Jesus is the son of God and what that means for your circumstance? Your circumstance has to bow down to the name of Jesus. 
it can't possibly stand up. It can't possibly stand up against it. So it's not the fact that Jesus hasn't already purchased victory. It's our awareness and our submission to Jesus as the Son of God. Elisha lived in the reality of this difference. And I'm going to go here why this sermon title is very specific. Of living from victory versus living in victory. I think when victory depends on how we feel, how prepared we are, what the circumstance looks like, then often we're going to live life as though you can fall out of victory. How many of you, I've certainly felt like I've fallen out of victory a number of times. But if the place with which you started was victory, meaning the start line is here when Jesus died on the cross, or probably more when you received his death on the cross, you now no longer can step back into a place that's not in victory. This line is the starting place of victory. So why, why the sermon series is titled Living from Victory is a prophetic declaration over every single one of you that you can't fall out of victory. How many of you want to receive that? I want to receive that, that I can't fall out of victory. But how many of us can feel like we've fallen out at times? But we need to see all of life, our ups and downs, never leaves or falls out of victory because can I tell you that Jesus had not fallen off of his throne. Like I said before, there's no loops we have to do. There's no perfect set of morning devotionals to remain in. There's no certain amount of hours you have to pray before the sun comes up that Jesus has already been there. He has already come out victorious. We need to come from the place that he has come from. And he can't help but be victorious. But I think there's a really good question that we can all pose. But what about my reality of not feeling victorious, not being victorious? Did I fall out? Romans 8.35 says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And I just want to pause there because there's so many lists in here that we have piled up that we feel are the contributors to us not being victorious. It could be sin. It could be shame. It could be pain. It could be the loss of a loved one in undue time. It could be, you, you need to fill in the gap there because this list is pretty serious. Famine, persecution, nakedness. Jesus is addressing this, or Paul, rather, through Jesus. No, verse 37, no. I love that resounding no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. In all of these things. He's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What was the list that he just read? He read tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in who? In Christ Jesus. Can I tell you that our faith, the revelation that we get, is not faith in faith itself. I think too often it's too easy to have faith in faith itself, like faith is this, this God that we need to believe in. It is faith in a God who loves. 
and that love that God has for us. That's, that's when we start to talk about revelation. You don't need to have revelation that God is, is almighty and all-powerful because that's true. The revelation that you need to have is how much God actually loves you and how you actually can't get away from his love. And that once you find out and once you start to live in that love, you then get further and further and further revelation that he actually does want your healing. That he actually does want you to live in perfect peace. That he actually is more powerful than any circumstance. But the revelation is the love. But that doesn't mean anything because if you only know human love, my love can't save you. My love can't save Angie. It's only the love of Jesus as the son of God that can do anything. It's revelation of Jesus being who he says he really is. What can separate us from that love? Nothing. Faith is revelation of who God is, and our authority is directly related to our revelation of the Father. Do you know what we are more than conquerors? I just, it just within what that actually means, looked up more than conquerors in Strong's, Strong's Bible, translations, or rather in other translations, and Strong's also had some things to contribute. We overwhelmingly conquer. You, are, you gain more than a victory. You have complete victory. You are triumphantly victorious. How easy is it to rate, read through this? What can separate us from the love of God? Cool. Yep, you love me, Jesus. And then we go right back into our situations where we're so overwhelmed with the pressures of this world. And we're not overcomers because we don't have revelation of who the Father is. But if we can pause and hear this morning the reality of who God is, maybe in a fresh way. Living from victory means when you fall off the wagon, you are still in victory, even though you may be muddy. If you are in tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, you are not separated from victory. You are not separated from victory because you cannot escape the love of God. Peter sank into the water, but his victory was not nullified. How many of you read this story long enough to know that as Peter sank, Jesus didn't do a WWE wrestling move and fling Peter up onto the boat? What what happened? He grabbed him and he pulled him up and they both walked back to the boat. Peter didn't stop walking on water in that moment. He sank for a moment. And then what happened? Jesus pulled him back up. What happened with Bennett when Bennett's in trouble? Dad gets down and it's serious time. Archer's getting a pounding. How many of you know that you can't leave? You can't escape victory. You can't fall out of victory. Even in our sinking, we have not lost victory in Jesus because he cannot sink. Elisha told his servant, do not be afraid. God is longing for us to get revelation that he is the son of God. So we can have authority released in our lives. Because those who are with us are more than those against us. That that revelation will not change. Regardless if you see it or you don't see it. Those The strength that is with you, that person that is inside of you, being the Holy Spirit, is greater than anything that you could ever come across. You cannot be separated from him as he is seated in heavenly places and has the resources of heaven. So your current situation is simply in process of revealing victory. 
I'll say it again. Your current situation is simply in process of revealing victory. Your current state is not a reflection of your final state. We have to get this into our spirits. Otherwise, we have a beat down version of Christianity that no one wants a part of. If we want to be effective in releasing the sound of heaven, we have to understand that we are victorious in the midst of famine. We have to understand that we're victorious in the midst of persecution. We have to understand that we're victorious in the midst of our self-doubt. We have to understand that we're victorious in the midst of whatever sin you may be stuck in. You are victorious. Not because of you, but because of who Jesus is. And his state is unchanging, is never ending, for he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because Jesus is the Son of God. The revelation of Jesus as the Son of God releases authority in your situation. Remember how it was a deeper realization that Jesus was the Son of God that disciples realized after seeing his authority of walking on water. And they went on to do mighty works for him, carrying his authority. I think we always think about, man, the disciples did some crazy things. And they did crazy things because they saw the manifest reality of Jesus being the Son of God. As I come to my last point, revelation is released through the word of the Lord. Romans 10, 17 says this, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. God reveals his nature through his word. It is through hearing the word of the Lord that we gain revelation to step further into the victory that is already there. Notice the victory is already there. It's just us stepping further into the victory that's already purchased. Revelations 12, 11 says this, and they have conquered him. They've overcome him, him being the enemy, being Satan, being the world, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Do you know, the word testimony means evidence. It's a witness. Can I get a witness? How do we conquer? You conquer by understanding the blood of the lamb, by understanding the power that is found in the personhood and the Godhood of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no clever, there's no clever little things that you may have found. There's no little bits and pieces that you can work around. It is only through the blood of Jesus that you may conquer. The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you know the word of our testimony is your experience of stepping out with said authority of the blood of the lamb? There is a unique power in your testimony, and I've shared it before, but I'm going to share it again. Do you know within the word testimony, literally in the word, it means that you're roping someone else and your testimony becomes their reality. There's, there's literally within the word testimony. It was one of the most profound things that I, I just had ever said of what happens is, as I share my testimony with Pete, as he shares his testimony, there's a rope spiritual rope that gets roped around the other person and that becomes their prophecy, their reality, something for them to now step into. So what I want to encourage you this morning is that 
these testimonies that we've been listening to are not for another time and are not for special people a long time ago. But the story of Elisha and the story of Peter are testimonies for you to wrap yourself around spiritually, link yourself with those testimonies so you can carry that as a prophecy in your circumstance. This is not cute stories for us to listen to. These are prophetic declarations that we want to align ourselves with and receive the revelation that Jesus is who he says he is contained within these stories. So the question is, where do you need to walk on water in the midst of your situation to handle that thing that's come up, to get rid of that sin that won't let go, to step out in faith in your workplace, to restore that relationship? One of the things that I I, I realized when I was reading through the story of Elisha, did you notice, so what did Elisha see? He saw chariots of fire all over the place. It's pretty gnarly. You know what I would have done? Go get them, chariots. Go get them. What did, did God send the chariots to go get them? Elisha went. And Elisha had to be the one that stepped out, and the chariots of fire stayed where they were. What were the chariots of fire? They were the revelation of who Elisha was carrying. I think that's so important because I think we think something else is going to happen over here and go like, God, come in your might and just like you do all of it and I'm going to watch. It's going to be amazing. Things are going to blow up. I think we have that, that ability. Can I tell you that he has put his spirit inside of you to release the sound of heaven like we've been talking about. Elisha was not the one to step out. It was the chariots of fire were simply there as a revelation of the power and the might and the reality of who Jesus is. When you forget or you are unaware that you are victorious, you stay down for longer. Bennett stays down a lot longer if he has not reminded that dad is on his side. The enemy can only trick you into thinking you are not victorious, and then you will act like you're not, but that doesn't change the fact that you are. This morning, my prayer is, oh Lord, please open our eyes that we may see that Elisha prayed over his servant. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The revelation of Jesus as the Son of God is at the very core of living from victory. We need to pray, God, give me a revelation of who you are in this situation, in every situation. I just want to close. I want to just pray this final verse over you. It's 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, who always leads us in victory, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Father, may we just receive the fact that you do lead us always in victory. Lord, will you open our eyes to see you as you really are. Lord, all of us in some form or fashion are like Peter. You have little faith. Lord, let us not strive harder to have more faith, but let us be more humble and receive the revelation that you're so dearly wanting to give to us. Lord, for we are overcomers because we are children of God and we cannot be separated from your love. We are more than conquerors. In the mighty name of Jesus, can God's people declare that? Amen. Amen.